Hi there, my name's Paul, I'm one of the pastors here. It's my uh, privilege to be speaking today. And uh, I'm gonna be looking um, at the whole subject of grief um, and loss as part of our mind, heart and body experience. I think over the last few weeks, Andrew has given us a really helpful foundation um, in understanding mental health. Um, And then last week, Uh, Paul uh, built upon that um, by taking a practical example of anxiety and uh, sharing some very practical, helpful, uh, biblical uh, truth uh, that helped to fortify us in the middle of it. And uh, today, uh, my aim is to take another example, which is grief and loss, and look to see how we can build again um, with that particular practical example. Psalm 42 and 43 are particularly um, helpful in this in this whole area. Here we find a psalmist who has uh, experienced loss um, himself, and uh, we find him uh, processing it well, handling grief well. There's honest reflection of loss and yet hope in God. And it would be good to spend some time looking at that. We're not actually going to spend any time looking at it this morning. So well done, all of you that are turning to Psalm 42 and 43. Um, I'm not actually going to reference it myself, but I would encourage you to do so um, when you get the chance. Many of us have experienced loss of some form or another, whether it's a person or or a thing. And I know for some of you, uh, maybe some of you at home, you have experienced loss so profound, a sadness so profound that it is difficult to describe. For me personally, it was back on the 30th of June 2011, isn't it funny when you go through your notes, not a flickering of emotion, and then you stand in front of people and your your top lip starts to wobble a little bit. So we'll see how we go. It was on the 30th of June 2011 that a police officer um, phoned the Hastings Centre on behalf of my mum. He said that my dad had been in a horrendous motorbike accident and he had been airlifted to King's College London um, and they really didn't provide a lot more information than that. Details were sparse, we were just told to get there as soon as we could. As I look back, some things are incredibly clear and other things are really, really hazy. I can remember the traffic jam out of Hastings. I think my dad had actually caused it, if I'm honest. Um, It went right the way back to Silver Hill. Um, I can remember waiting at Seven Oaks Station. I can remember being in the family room with my sisters, waiting for different family members to turn up. I can remember Steve Young, who's fellow elder who's hosting today, who traveled across London. Uh, He was working in London to come and support us. I remembered standing in Subway. How on earth did I get into Subway on the day that my dad died? I've no idea, but I can remember standing in Subway. I can remember phoning Santino, who was an elder at the time, because the church had been praying for my dad. And (coughs) 
and telling him that my dad wasn't going wasn't gonna to live. Other, other things aren't, aren't that clear. They're, they're quite hazy. I can't remember what I said to my dad before they turned the machine off. I can't, I can't the, the uh, life support machine, can't remember. I can't remember the things I said to my mum and my sisters. And uh, the days that followed are a blur and yet punctuated with moments of real clarity. I can remember being at a Christian leaders conference and not wanting to stay there anymore. I, I just didn't want to be there. It was a few weeks after my dad had died, so I, I just left. Wasn't in the frame of mind to handle it. I can remember being in this auditorium the first Sunday back and worshipping God and raising my hands in the air with tears in my eyes as I worshipped and I glorified God because he's good, yet struggled with the pain and not knowing why dad had died. Odd, difficult. In some ways, as the months passed, I sort of processed it. I think I would have seen my dad maybe once a week, once every couple of weeks, might have had a bit of contact. And so I, I processed my grief, I guess in some ways relatively quickly, although over the years there were different moments that, that came and went. But probably one of the hardest things was watching my mum go through the grief on a day-by-day basis, and I couldn't stop it. I could walk alongside, but I couldn't stop the pain from happening. And I can also remember other things that triggered memories. My dad used to do loads of DIY around home. And so there were different jobs he'd done, and, and they were reminders of what he'd done. There was, one, there was one bit in our lounge where he had wallpapered our living room, and I'd done it with him. And I can remember now to this day the 20-minute conversation I had with him, well, the 20-minute argument I had with him about the best way to hang wallpaper before we started. And that's, that's how we operated. We would argue for 20 minutes, and then we'd get on and do whatever we were doing together. So as I look at this subject of grief, um, it isn't something just the- theoretical, it's something to some degree I've walked through. And I, I know for others who are in this room, you would have suffered greater losses um, than, than I have suffered. Um, but, but there is some understanding of what it's like as we go through. And I want to very briefly use the framework that has been used on different occasions over this series. And the reason I want to use the framework is not because it's just good to hang preach points on, but I think it's a good, it's a good framework for us to understand what's going on on the inside. And I think when it comes to mental health and emotions, it's good to process what is going on in the ins- on the inside. So the first thing when it comes to grief is we need to understand what is happening. Grief is what we feel because we've some, lost something that we've, we've loved. It's, it's, it's as basic as that. And, and the emotions that we feel will be um, anger maybe, they will be sadness, but it could be just apathy, not wanting to do anything. It, it may be guilt that you didn't get to say something or do something that you wanted to say or do. It, it, it may be a sense of hopelessness or depression. And, and grief isn't linear. It's not like when, when you lose something or someone, it goes down like that, and then it's just a slow, nice, steady progression up. It's much more like waves at the, at the, at the seaside. 
You know, you, you, you get this big wave that knocks you off your feet and then you stand up and then there might be a few little waves that lap round your, your legs again, but then another wave will knock you off your feet and you'll think, where on earth has that come from? I, I thought things were getting better, but it doesn't work that way. It's also important to note that, that grief affects us all differently. There isn't one size fits all. For me and my family, when we went through it nine years ago, um, where my mum was at was different how I was at, which was different from how my sisters were at, which were different from how my dad's friends were at. It just affects us differently. And it's important that we don't judge one another, either because they appear to be expressing a lot more grief than us, or maybe expressing nothing externally. We mustn't, we mustn't judge one another. We must understand. When, when my dad passed away, when my dad died, it was a complete shock to the system, just didn't see it coming. But for some of you, you've been through seasons of grief, maybe with a relative or a friend where, where they suffered from cancer, and, and you've had to face their, da- their death in sort of more like an agonizing, slow motion thing, in, in which case you will have, you'd have been grieving probably before they passed away. And, and, and grief isn't just because of bereavement, it could be due to retirement. It might be that you've been looking forward to retirement and then you get there and you suddenly suffer the loss of not, not having the same purpose that you had before. Or maybe lost friendship or, or lost financially. You've lost some money for one reason or another. Maybe you're suffering from a loss of physical strength or, or health. You know, you were very active and now, now you can't do the things you wanted to do and you are grieving you're grieving that. It might be children leaving home. There might be a short party to start with and then afterwards you, you miss them. Maybe the COVID restrictions, maybe betrayal. You've been, you've been let down in your marriage. There are various different reasons why we may experience loss and have to handle grief. So, so that's an understanding of grief. I'm going to go through these points quite quickly because I want to get towards the, uh, the end, the, the application part. So how do we start to engage with grief? Well, firstly, we, we, we need to accept it. Grief is a right and natural response to the loss of someone or something. And being honest and expressing grief is so really important. I know for me there was a couple of occasions, one when I rang Santino the day my dad died, another was a few days later where I was talking with Chloe and then it just sort of all came out. Tears, like a gut-wrenching thing and Chloe got covered in snot and tears and everything, but it was good, I, I needed to express it, to get it out in that sense. So firstly, we, we, we need to accept but we also need to explore. And and guys, I want to speak to you personally. Don't try and jump that. Don't don't just try and miss that out. Sometimes it's right just to slow down and work out what's going on in the inside. Don't try and fix it. Try and engage with it, because if you don't, it will come up at some point. It will come out, and probably in a way that's not very healthy. When it comes to bereavement, obviously the reason why you're feeling grief is probably quite um, easy to understand. But in other areas, maybe it's, it's not so easy. And so it is good to spend time exploring it. 
So once you've accepted, once you've explored, there is then a time to act. There is a time to um, engage. And one of the uh, first things um, is that, that we need to lament. To lament is, is a passionate expression of guilt or sorrow. Expressing our pain to God and one another is, is right, it's important, it's part of the process, if I guess that's the way to put it. Expressing it does something positive when it's done right. But if we, if we do it in the wrong way, it can also be destructive. It, it can have a negative impact on others. And so in our grief, that doesn't give us permission to explode with anger at people or to be abusive in some way or another. But, but, but we, do need to, we do need to lament. We need to um, allow it to come out. In the Bible, you'll find there are these moments of mourning where, where after Moses died, I think they had 30 days of mourning. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we need those official times of mourning, but there is a recognition that when we've lost something, we grieve and we need to give time for that to happen. We also need to realize that that grief is a journey. It's a journey where we're adapting to life without the thing that we've lost. In in retirement, for instance, it might be you're adapting to life and you need to find a new purpose, a new activity to fill your time. C.S. Lewis said this when he lost his wife. He said that when you lose someone, it's like an amputation. It's not like a bullet wound. If if I were to... uh, lose my arm, the wound of losing my arm will heal, but my arm won't ever grow back. And when we, when we lose someone, when there's a bereavement, we won't ever get them back, although we can experience a healing from some of the wound and some of the pain that we've experienced. By God's grace, we can learn to live without them or without it, even if it hurts absolutely loads. It is possible to get over it and continue to glorify God with how we live our lives. And then thirdly, when it comes to act, and this is where I just want to spend a little bit of time, our church, if you are a Christian here today, we need to remember the gospel. We need to remember the gospel. It is foundational. It is fundamental to us. Everything I've pretty much shared to this point if I'm honest, it doesn't really matter if you're following Jesus or not. It's, it's just good, practical wisdom. But if you are a Christian here today, when it comes to grief and when it comes to loss, the hope we have in Jesus Christ underpins. It makes a difference in a way um, that, it, that, that nothing else does. Jesus taught the parable of building our lives on the rock. It says, when the storms come, and they will come, whether you know Jesus or whether you don't know Jesus, the storms will come. But if you've built your life on Jesus, when the storms come, even in grief, which is, can be a storm of mighty proportions, we will stand in the midst of it. And as I look back, I realize that there was something in my life even stronger than the grief I was feeling at those worst moments. There, there was something that underpinned it. It was my hope in Jesus Christ. And the promises contained in this book, 
underpin whatever emotion, whatever feeling I am going through, even in my darkest moments in grief. I realized that if the Bible said it, it must be true. That was, a, that was a rock that I was standing on. That was a rock, and I realized as I looked back, I was standing on this rock. At, at times, I was, I was swept away by the waves of grief and stuff, but, but I was standing on this rock. Here's some of the things that I knew. I knew that God was good. I knew that God was good even if I didn't understand why he died. I knew he was good. That was a foundational pillar that I was built upon. I knew that whatever my circumstances, I was never in a hopeless situation. I wasn't. Because it says in Ephesians 2 verse 12, that there was a time when I was without hope and without God in the world, but now Jesus Christ has saved me from all my sins. So I cannot, I cannot be without hope anymore. Hope is built into me because I am a Christian and I am born again and Jesus loves me and nothing can separate me from, my, from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So I may feel incredibly hopeless, but I'm never without hope. I'm never with hope, without hope, because of what Jesus Christ has done in my life. And I found another verse that, 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 that took on a sweetness to me that it had never done before. And it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 4 verse 13. And the Apostle Paul says this, but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Again, it comes back to that hope thing. The Apostle Paul, the Bible, gives me permission to grieve. I am free to grieve. But I'm not, to free, I'm not free to grieve like one with no hope. Why? Because in verse 14 it says this, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do we believe that? Now, the problem is that no one, no one who's watching online heard what you said there. Do we believe that Jesus died and rose again? Yeah. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. What I hope. What a glorious hope we have contained within the gospel. The gospel makes a difference, even in the heart-wrenching circumstance of loss, death, and grief. Who God is and his promises provide a rock that we can cling to. You know, when I heard the news about my dad's death, I was swept off my feet, and for days... I couldn't really get a foot in. And then, then I did. I, I started to cling to some of these promises in the word of God, and I got a foot in. And then another wave of grief would come and knock me off my feet again. And I'd refine my foot in. It, it, it was messy. It was all over the place, but a foundation in there. I had these markers that surrounded me. If my grief goes into hopelessness for too long, it's like a little alarm bell sounding. No, no, I can't be in that. I'm not 
in that hopeless situation that my emotions tell me I am. Why? Because, because I believe in Jesus and the hope of the gospel underpins even below that. If I start doubting the goodness of God, and at times I did, but if it goes for too long, no, because I know God is good. I've got to move on. And then lastly, that whole importance of supporting, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this uh, 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 quite quickly, but just to say, in times of grief, we need one another. We, we just do. You can't do it. You can't do it on your own. We're, we're made to live in community. We're la- made to live in family. That's where we as church, as family together, have something that is amazing. We, we do. We have to open ourselves out. We have to go out on a limb, but we have something amazing. And, and by the way, when people are sharing with us, we don't need to try and fix it. When I rang Santino up, he couldn't fix it. He couldn't make it better. All he could do was listen. But that's all I needed him to do. I, d- I didn't need anything else. I just needed to share it. And so let me encourage you, always, always walk alongside Always listen. Always pray because prayers make a massive difference. Sometimes encourage them from the Bible and sometimes share advice. But, but you need wisdom on the timing for that. When you listen, you can't get it far wrong. Job, I think, Job with his friends, I think his friends said nothing for 40 days. They just sat with him. You know, how often it is we, we, we struggle to stay quiet for five minutes. Sometimes it's right for us to be alone. Sometimes we need to be in community. Just as I finish, Jeanette, if you could come up with the band, please. Just as we finish, loss and the grief that results is part of this age. I'll say that again. Loss and the grief that results are part of this age. Friends, we shouldn't be surprised when we go through it, even though it's incredibly painful. Interesting, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians, he says he counts everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. I mean, that's provoking, actually, even as we're looking at grief and loss at the moment. Paul says, I count everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Just allow that to provoke you. And even our pain and our our grief can cause us to hunger for an age yet to come. When Jesus returns or we get to go to be with him. Let me finish by reading these words in Revelation. And then, Jeanette, if it's all right, could you just lead us in that song? And I I just want to encourage us, um, why don't we just actually stand if we're here? At home, you may want to stand. It may help you to engage. I'm going to read these verses. This is the hope that we have if you are a Christian. But if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you don't have this hope. And I would encourage you, make contact. Contact us. Um, Email in. We would love to make contact if you don't know him, because knowing Jesus is the most important thing. 
This is what it says in Revelation. This is the hope that we have that goes beyond the worst circumstances that we face. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Church, although we grieve, we grieve as those with hope. Now let's worship our King, our Lord, and our Saviour.